All Talks of Life with Chris Viniquest. Welcome back into All Talks of Life with Chris Viniquest. I am your host. And it's getting close to Christmas. It's getting close to the new year. I hope that by the time you hear this episode, you have finished all of your Christmas shopping. I hope you're not a last minute Christmas shopper. I used to be like that. I used to do that. But not anymore. Start a little earlier. Finish a little earlier. Make sure I got everything down. Me and the wife are doing some shopping, getting some things right. Almost last minute. But not last minute. I used to do, I used to be like last minute, December 24, last minute on most of the stuff, but not anymore. It's that Christmas season. It's time for the jolly fat man in the red suit, St. Nick. I hope everybody's ready. Like I said, I hope you did all your Christmas shopping. I personally am almost done. Yeah, it's late, but I'm almost done. Like I said, almost last minute. I'm working on that. Next year, probably get them a little earlier. Hopefully, you ain't like me. Hopefully, you're a little better, though. I want to get into something today. Something that I've been wanting to get into for a little while. Had to put it in some words. Had to get some information. But I'm ready to get into it today. Welcome into another episode of All Talks of Life once again. I want to get into three promises from God to you. That's what I want to do today. I want to give you three things that the Bible says in regards to God saying this will happen. So I want to open up the conversation by saying that in John 16, 33, and before I before I even go into John sixteen thirty three, I want to let you know that in the second hour, I got NFL Week fifteen picks coming up. Exciting times in the NFL, and also got a little shout out at the end of the show. So stick around for that. Some good stuff coming up. But let me get to John sixteen thirty three and three promises from God to you. Number one. John 16, 33 says like this, I have told you these things, this is Jesus talking, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Those are the words of Jesus to his disciples. Now, John 14, 15, and 16, beautiful, beautiful words by Jesus, him speaking to us about abiding in his word and him abiding in us and Jesus speaking a little bit about the end times, not as detailed as he did with Matthew, especially Matthew, some Mark and Luke, but speaking a little bit about it and speaking about tribulation. So Jesus says here, you will have tribulation. We got to notice that in the text. I know a lot of people, you know, they they focus on be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Definitely, no doubt. But for the basis of this conversation, I want to get into Jesus saying, you will have tribulation. That is promise number one from God. And I know that right now as you're listening, you're saying, well, that's not a good promise. It doesn't sound like a good promise, but stick around with me because the next two are going to sound and be way, way better. But I want to focus on this one first because obviously we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen system where sin and evil abide. We know that good abides also in this world, but we know that sin and sickness and disease abide in this world. So Jesus said, don't be surprised. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Don't be surprised. Trouble is going to come your way. Why is gonna, why is trouble going to come your way? Because it is a fallen world. It is a fallen system where sin dwells. Jesus uses the word tribulation in this text. And when you see the word tribulation, 
I want you to understand that that is derived from the Greek word thlipsis, all right? So in, so in Greek, it is said it is called thlipsis. Now, thlipsis means pressure, affliction, anguish, burdened, persecution, tribulation, and trouble. The word thlipsis, which is the Greek word for tribulation, appears 45 times in the New Testament in 43 different verses. Now, this, this Greek word also appears in the book of Revelation, in the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. So when you see the word tribulation, think of the word thlipsis, and it appears in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and it is the same exact Greek word used in the other, used in the other books that I mentioned. Well, that is promise number one, that we will have tribulation in this world. Jesus goes on to say in Matthew chapter 28, I, I want to shift on to the second because I, I know that right now you're listening. You're saying, man, that is not a good promise. I don't know why you're giving me that, but just hold on with me here because I'm, I'm getting to number two. Matthew 28 in verse 20, the last absolute verse that, 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 that is in Matthew, the last written verse in Matthew. Go all the way to the end. Get your Bible. Go all the way to the end of Matthew and find that Jesus says this, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So promise number two, I know it's getting a little better right now. Promise number two is this, Jesus will always be with you, even in tribulation. Jesus said he's always going to be with you. Now, Jesus said he's going to be with us till the end of the age. So Jesus is going to endure with us all times. Jesus is going to endure with us all trials and all tribulations in every single scenario that life throws at us. Jesus is going to be with us. And you say, how in the world is Jesus going to be with us when Jesus ascended onto heaven in Acts chapter one? Well, obviously, we know that Jesus was here for 33 and a half years on the earth, and it is proven that Jesus was here. It, it, it is impossible to say that Jesus was not on the earth because it has been proven by science over and over and over. And it is a known fact that Jesus was in this world. And we also know that the Bible tells us that Jesus ascended into the clouds. Obviously, the clouds took him up into heaven. But Jesus said, I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. How is Jesus with us always? See, because when Jesus ascended onto the Father, the Holy Spirit came and was poured out among all men. So when we all accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes. We receive the seal of the promised Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is poured about, is poured out on all of us that accept Jesus Christ. So Jesus saying that he's going to be with us till the end of the age doesn't mean that he has to be here physically. Jesus is inside of the physical person. Jesus, God, the Spirit, is inside of is inside of each person that has accepted him as Lord and Savior. So the thing is that even though you're going to have tribulation, Jesus will still be with you, speaking to you, leading you, guiding you, giving you that wisdom, that knowledge that you need to get through the toughest of times, to get through the worst things. Because he said, remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, this is really where I want to focus at today. I, don't, I didn't really want to focus on the fact that we will have tribulation. I really want to focus because I got one more thing. I got one more promise. But what I really wanted to focus on was the fact that Jesus said he's going to be with us and to prove to you that, yes, God will be with us through the toughest of times, through the worst of things. He never said he'll leave our side. 
He never said he wouldn't be here for us. And I got to go back to the first book of the Bible. Now, I want to take you on a small journey in the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, there are a couple of stories that we can, that we can use and take and derive from. And confirm the words of Jesus before Jesus ever came on the earth, before he ever stepped foot on the earth and was wrapped in nature, in flesh, as a man. Genesis chapter 6. The Bible talks to us about Noah. And obviously, you know, if you're listening to me right now, I'm sure that you know the story of Noah and the flood. But let let me retell it to you really quickly and tell you about the perspective and the context of this conversation. Genesis 6 tells us that, you know, God had was was sorry that he had made man because everything that was in the heart of man was wicked and evil and did not want to serve God. So God spoke to Noah and God told Noah. This is what I'm going to do with everyone on this earth. Speak to them, preach to them, testify to them. Make this ark and let them know that there's a flood coming. Now, here's the problem. Now, here's the problem with that. Everybody on the earth in that time, you got to remember that in the time of Noah, the Bible says that there was a dew that came up in the morning. So when you woke up, what you actually saw was mist. What you actually saw was water coming from the ground up. So the people never saw water coming from heaven down. So they had to have faith and they had to believe that what Noah was saying is true through faith. The problem is that they, they didn't have faith because they were into wicked things. And th this is what the Bible says. They were they were not God minded. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing that 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 statement right there, God minded, but they were not into the things of God. They were not thinking the way that God had intended for man to think, which is on him all day, every day. But these people, all they thought about was wickedness and sin. And all they thought about was doing the wrong things that God didn't want them to do. So God said, I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to destroy them with a flood. And history tells us that Noah preached and built the ark for 120 years, approximately. Obviously, as the story goes on, you know, it, it tells us that Noah got in the ark with his family. God, God saw that he was faithful, so he was going to bless Noah, his wife, his three boys and their wives. So eight people got into the ark along with a bunch of animals, male and female. Obviously, they had to procreate. And all of a sudden, the flood came, the rains ascended. This is what the Bible says, that, that the floodgates open and that the waters rain down for months. I think it was about a six-month storm, a six-month flood, if I remember correctly. So now... What ends up happening is that God tells Noah, as he's building the ark, to build a window. And this is where I want to get to with Jesus and his words. The flood is going on. People are drowning. Houses are being destroyed or huts are being destroyed. And mountains are being overtaken. Trees are being destroyed. And Whatever else you could, you know, animals that, that were unclean are being killed and all this pestilence and all this death and all this and, and just all this craziness and all this tribulation going on right around Noah and right around his family. And guess what? They're seeing all of this tribulation. They're seeing all of these problems. They're seeing all of this destruction. But God protected them. Noah and his family were protected by the Lord while remaining in this world and enduring the flood. They didn't go anywhere. They were right here. Looking outside that window. And that's what I want to tell you today. 
right as you're looking outside your window or your car window or your house window, wherever it may be, you might be seeing some destruction, some things going on, some tough times going on. And maybe you're not even looking outside your window. Maybe right now you're looking inside yourself and maybe right now you're looking inside your home and you're saying, man, it's just crazy right now. But Jesus said, I'll always be with you. I'll be with you until the end of your life. I'll be with you until the end of this world. I'll be with you even in the toughest times. So take hold of what Jesus said. Take hold of this story. That even though all hell could be breaking loose, even though high water could come, but you won't drown. Even though the fire will come, and obviously I'm speaking spiritually, even though the fire will come, you won't get burned. Because Jesus said, number one, you will have tribulation. And number two, he said, I'm always going to be with you. Second Peter, you know, the, the apostle Peter, the disciple Peter talks about this story. And he said in 2 Peter 2, 5, he said, and if God did not spare the ancient world, but listen to the word, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness with seven others. When God brought the judgment of a flood upon the world of the ungodly. That's 2 Peter 2, 5. He's, he's recounting the story and he's saying that God protected the eight people. While there was a judgment. So right now we could be seeing judgment on other people. But as children of God, God will keep us. In the future, we can see God pour out his judgment. And at the same time, God keep us. God protect us. God help us. Because Jesus said that he's always going to be with us. Now, Maybe a more famous story. Maybe not. But I think it's probably a more famous story. It's probably been a, a couple more movies made on this one and TV shows made on this one and references made on this one than the first one. Even though No One the Flood is very, very famous and it is spoken about by Jesus. It's spoken about by Peter. It's spoken about by other people in the word of God. Other authors went back to it and spoke about it. Um, the author of Hebrews, who is unknown, spoke about it. But let me get into this next story as I continue on with the second promise. The children of Israel and the ten plagues. Now, I'm sure as you're listening to me right now, you're saying, what else could I learn about this story? Because I know this story in and out. But just hold on for a minute here and, and, and just let me ride you through the story in the context of what I'm speaking about today. Obviously, we know that God told Moses, go down to the Pharaoh and tell him that I want my people to be let go so they will worship me. We know that the Pharaoh, obviously, he said that I will not let your people go. So we saw how Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And we saw how God, we saw the things that God did. This starts in Exodus chapter 7. And the story ends all the way in Exodus chapter 14. So it takes up a good chunk of Exodus to, to tell this story. But I want to, obviously, I want to, you know, make it compact for you. I don't want to tell the whole thing just like I did. Well, no, I don't want I just want to give you the overview here. So the 10 plagues. Notice that the first three plagues. God poured out the first three plagues, turning the waters into blood, flooding the land with frogs and bringing swarms of gnats. But the Israelites were affected by these as well. That's Exodus chapter 7, 14, all the way to chapter 8 and verse 19. God is pouring out, pouring out these judgments. And he told Pharaoh through Moses, if you don't let my people go so that they would, so that they would worship me, as I'm calling them to worship me, I'm going to bring judgments 
on to Egypt. Pharaoh was like, do what you got to do, God. Let's see who you are. Obviously, we saw what God did. Turn the waters into blood. Send frogs. Send gnats. But here's the thing, though. I, I, didn't I say earlier that Jesus will be with us? Obviously, in the Old Testament, Jesus was not manifested yet as God. But obviously, we know that God is God. And the Bible says that God is one. So obviously, we know the, the divine trinity of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. But that's another show for another day. So obviously, God is, is, God is with us. And God was with the Israelites, but it didn't look like God was with the Israelites in the first three in the first three uh, plays that were going on because they were affected. But again, I go back to the words of Jesus. Jesus said, "In this world, you will have tribulation." So obviously, in the first three plagues, the Israelites, the children of God had tribulation but something something amazing happens because from the fourth plague on the lord makes a distinction between his people israel who are living in goshen which is in eastern egypt and the egyptians this starts from chapter 8 and verse 20 so here's the thing though that for the remaining six plagues which came on to be the plague of the livestock, the boils, the hail, the locusts, the locusts, the darkness, and the death of the firstborn. God poured out his judgments on Egypt, but not on his chosen people. Which means that God can have you go through some tribulation. But God knows when enough is enough. Because God has mercy, God has grace, God has love, and God will never give you anything beyond that which you can bear. That is what he says in his word. So, even though God won't allow you to go through it, but God will let you see it. God will let you see something going on. I may not be a victim and may God keep me and my family from being victims of, of harsh things in New York City. And may God keep you and your family wherever you're at right now. But it doesn't mean that we can't see things. It doesn't mean that we can't be a witness to things. That we won't be around issues. That we won't be around the worst of times. That we won't see the mark of inflation and and the mark of, of crime waves and the mark of all these things that are just going on right now around New York City. Like we understand what's going on. We see what's going on. But we're still right here in New York City. And there may be judgments that God is pouring out on the city. There may be judgments that God is pouring out in the neighborhoods. But God keeps his people. Because God knows exactly how to keep his people. Just as he kept his people from the fourth plague to the tenth plague. Obviously, they, they were in Goshen. They were in eastern Egypt, but they knew what was going on. They knew what God was doing. Moses saw what God did, but Moses wasn't touched. The chosen man of God was not touched. Not by those... Not by those last six plagues. So God is with you. God is with me. Thank the Lord for that. So there, there, there are a couple of there are a couple of promises in the book of Revelation that I do want to talk to you about. So so obviously as I end, you know as I end this conversation on the children of Israel and the 10 plagues, just remember you can be close to it. You can see it. You can be a witness to it, 
but it doesn't have to touch you. Why? Because Jesus is with you. So don't be worried. Don't be scared about tribulation. Because Jesus is with you. I know that right now you're saying that's easier said than done. No doubt. 100% easier said than done. But I can't forget and you can't forget. Things will get tougher. But Jesus will still be with us. I, I love the fact that, that the Bible points us to God being there in the worst of the worst times with us because he'll comfort us. He'll be that shoulder that we can lean on, that we can cry on. He'll be that word of wisdom that we need in, the, in, in, in just the worst times. He'll be that guide when we just don't know what to do and where to go other than him. So it, it's just awesome that God will do the things that he does. And just one more thing here on the children of Israel. The last plague, the death of the firstborn. Here's the connection I want to make also. The book of Revelation says that in, in chapter 12, verse 11, that they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So what that has to do with this story is this. The death of the firstborn was the 10th plague, the last plague, the worst plague. God told Pharaoh through Moses, if you don't let my people go, by the end of this night, I'm going to kill your son and every firstborn in Egypt. And that's exactly what happened. But here's the thing, though. The people of Israel also were told because they weren't far away. The people of Israel were also told. This could happen to you unless. Each family takes a lamb. The blood of the lamb. Kills that lamb, takes the blood, put it on their doorposts. And then you can take the lamb and have a family meal. So it, it, it's just, it's an awesome thing to just see the parallel of how God deals with his people, of how God deals with the blood, of how God always had the plan that Jesus was the plan, that his blood was the plan, that his, that his blood was that saving grace. And he shows that in Exodus, that even though you're going through the worst of times and the worst of tribulations, you can call on the blood of Jesus, the blood of the lamb. And when death passes over and when judgment passes over, you're covered. You're covered because of the blood of the lamb. It happened in the 10th plague. And it happens again in Revelation. So it happened in the first book and is going to happen in the last book. That's amazing. God knows how to bring things full circle God knows how to bring things around. God is the one who gives full life. So just some, just, just some amazing stuff by God there. Always having the plan of Jesus. Always having the plan of blood. But let me move on and, and tell you some other things from Revelation. Because there are some awesome promises in Revelation. And obviously in the book of Revelation, we see the worst of the worst times. The toughest of the tribulations. The toughest of times. But here's what God says to the overcomers. In the book of Revelation, everybody hearing me right now, as you're hearing me, you got to know you're an overcomer. You're still here. You're an overcomer with Christ. Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? I can do them, but I got to do them through Christ. So Jesus said in, in John 16, 33, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Right? The Bible also says... Be an imitator of me as I am an, imit an imitator of Christ. What did Christ do? He came down to this earth and he overcame everything that the devil and hell threw at him. Everything that the world threw at him, Christ overcame it. 
So if we are Christ-like, if we are overcomers, this is what God promises to us. Now, I'm still in promise number two. Jesus is with us until the end of the age. Here's some promises. Revelation 2 and 7 says this. We will eat from the tree of life in paradise. Now, remember, this is promises to the overcomer in Revelation in the toughest of the toughest times. Chapter 2 and verse 11 says, we will not be harmed by the second death. 2 and 17 says, we will receive the promised manna and a white stone with a special name. 2 and 26 says, we will have authority over the nations. Chapter 3, verse 5 says, Jesus will clothe us in white garments. He will not blot out our name from, from his book of life. And he will confess us before his father and angels. Chapter 3 and verse 12 says, Jesus will make us strong supports in his temple where we will dwell forever. He will write on us the name of God and of the new Jerusalem and his own new name. Chapter 3 verse 21, Jesus will seat us with him on his throne just as he overcame and sat with his father on his throne. And we jump to chapter 15 and verse 2. We will worship before God's throne. Promises to the overcomer. There are more promises in the book of Revelation to overcomers, but those are some right there. And I want you to remember, remembering these promises about the future can strengthen us when we must endure temporary tests in the now. So hold on to the word of God. Hold on to the promises of God. And they're going to strengthen you when you're going through the toughest of the toughest times in your life. The promises and the word of God will definitely strengthen you. Revelation 21.4. We're about to come to the end of this segment. But hear this out. Revelation 21.4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Now, what's glorious about this verse right here is that this verse is after the great tribulation is over. Obviously, we know that the book of Revelation is a revelation to the Apostle John from Jesus Christ about the great tribulation, about the worst of the worst times that is going to come in humankind. But notice that in, in, in chapter 21, right, the penultimate chapter of the Bible, he says that he's going to wipe away every tear. Obviously, so after the tribulation is over, after the tough times are over, after the worst of the worst happens, God will heal you. That's promise number three. After your tribulation, God will will heal you. That's an awesome promise. At the end of the verse, it says, for the former things have passed away. Meaning that the pain that your tough times brought you, the anguish that your tough times brought you, the trouble that your thlipsis brought you, the persecution, the affliction, the burden that your thlipsis brought you. After all that's done, after all that's finished, God's going to heal you. If God, think about all the things you've been through, all the tough times you've gone through, and when you've come out of them, have you come out better? Have you come out wiser? Have you come out stronger? Have you come out being able to help others because you went through that? Of course. You're still here today. You're still listening to me right now. I'm still speaking to you right now. So obviously, we've gone through things. God has kept us. God has helped us. God has guided us. And we're better for his guidance. We're better because of his strength. We're better because of his wisdom. We're better because of his grace. We're better because of his love. 
And after the toughest times, God has healed us. Rain has fallen on us. Don't tell me you didn't get dry again. God healed us. God continues to heal us. Now, I'm not saying that life is perfect. I'm not saying that my life is perfect. I'm not even going to attempt to say that your life is perfect. But I will say this. You've gone through storms. I've gone through storms. And we've made it to the other side. And after those storms, things have looked beautiful again. And after the biggest storm in the history of humankind that the book of Revelation details to us, what did God do? God healed. And you'll see as you read in Revelation chapter 22, there are leaves and trees of healing, leaves and trees of healing. So God will continue to heal after the worst of the worst. Promise number one. You will have tribulation. Jesus said that. Promise number two. Jesus will always be with you, even in tribulation. Promise number three. After your tribulation, God will heal you. If you're not encouraged by that, if you're not strengthened by that, then I don't know what to do for you. Because right now, the word of God has got me hyped. The word of God has got me just so ah, ready, 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 ready. The word of God is awesome. All right. When I come back, I'm going to get into NFL week 15. Also, special shout out at the end of the show. And I also want to let you know that some of the information here was used from the book, Not Afraid of the Antichrist, written by Dr. Michael Brown and Dr. Craig Keener. Let's go. It's time for the week 15 picks. 14 weeks down. We got a couple weeks to go here. Four weeks to go exactly in the NFL season. I'm excited because there's no more bye weeks. Everybody from here on out, starting tonight, Thursday, December 16, as the Chiefs and Chargers start off the week, no more bye weeks. Nobody's off anymore. Everybody. Got to get healthy. Everybody got to get their game plans together. The stretch run. Here we go. Chiefs Chargers. First game up on the week. Chiefs have been really, really hot. They found their stride. I think they're on a five or six game win streak. <sighs> the Chargers. They're coming off a good win. Chargers coming off a much needed win. Yeah, I know... Anybody that's listening to me, you guys know, man, I'm a huge Justin Herbert fan. He was my he was my quarter of the way MVP. Obviously, he's fallen off. They've had some bad games. But nevertheless, I'm going with the Chiefs. Even though I'm a huge Justin Herbert guy, I just I I think that the Chiefs are hot at the right time. The defense is working. Pat Mahomes is making less mistakes. And they have their eye on the number one seed in the AFC. They might be able to get that. Who knows? But Thursday night game leading off the week. I got the Chiefs and they are the favorite. Saturday football is back on Saturdays. Week 15 is the start of that. We're also going to see some Christmas Day games. I'm very excited to see some Christmas Day games. But first thing is first. We got to get to the Saturday game. The first, the kickoff of NFL Saturdays. It is here. And the Browns started off. Versus the Raiders, I got the Browns. They are the favorites. The Raiders right now are slipping. Raiders look good through the first half of the season, first quarter of the season. But they're not looking good right now. They're not clicking, especially after the, you know, unfortunate accident that Henry Ruggs had. Obviously, you know, there was a life taken there. And that is very unfortunate. And ever since that, John Gruden and things like that has all been kind of tumbling down for the Raiders. But... Since it's going downhill, I think it's going to continue to go downhill. And I'm going to take the Browns in this one. Browns got a big win on Sunday. I think that they'll get another win uh, Saturday night. And they will continue to, you know, just solidify a running in the AFC playoffs. They got their eye toward that. 
They might could win the division. Ravens lost on Sunday. Uh, well, they lost to the Browns on Sunday. And now Lamar Jackson is questionable for Sunday's game as well, which I think he'll play because questionable usually means that you play. But Lamar Jackson obviously is not 100%. And going into the playoffs, going into the stretch run, you need your best player healthy. So coupled with all that, I think the Browns got a shot to win the division. And if they get this win on Saturday, it, it, it is a big step forward for that because the Ravens also have a big game on Sunday. I'll get to that later. Saturday football continues with the Colts and the Patriots. <sighs> Patriots on a seven-game win streak. <sighs> I picked every single game on the win streak for the Patriots. I love this defense. You guys heard on this pod right here that before the season, did the preview, I did the preview show with Michael Ruiz. And I said, I told them, I believe in the Patriots. They're going to be second in the AFCs. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win 11 games. And they're going to be a top five defense. They have exceeded my expectations. Exceeded. They are the number one defense in the NFL right now. This defense is clicking on all cylinders, mostly healthy. And they know that it's on them. It's on the defense to win these games. They got to lead the way. Bill knows that. The players know that. The organization knows that. The fans know that. And most importantly, the quarterback knows that. So he goes out there, makes minimal mistakes, doesn't try to do too much, and they get through the games. But I'm picking that seven-game win streak to come to an end. I know I'm going to get at least one text message or one messenger that is definitely going to be like, I'm a little disappointed in the show this week, but that's all right. I'm still picking the Colts to beat the Patriots. Jonathan Taylor right now leading the league in rushing. That offensive line is really mean, really nasty, led by probably the best offensive, <clears throat> offensive lineman in the NFL, Quentin Nelson. He's been in the Pro Bowl every single year since he's been a pro. I mean, just, just think about that. That is just crazy. To, as a rookie, made the Pro Bowl, been an all-pro every single year. The man is that good. You go up that left side right behind Quentin Nelson, and you know he's got you. Jonathan Taylor's been running the ball. They've been feeding him. He's been doing his thing, and I think that they're going to ride Jonathan Taylor to a win. Patriots, you guys have exceeded my expectations. I've picked every single game for the Patriots in the seven-game win streak. But I think it's coming to an end this Saturday. Sunday night. Let's get to it. Starting off with the Bills and the Panthers. I think the Bills bounce back. They've been, they look kind of shaky the last couple of weeks. They know that they are desperate for a win right now because they definitely need to stay in that hunt for the AFC playoffs. If they lose to the Panthers and some of the teams in the in the other the other teams in the AFC get some wins, they could be on the outside looking in. Bills are holding on right now. I think they get the win. And then I think that they finished second in the division. I know that in the preview show, I said they would be finished. They would finish first, but obviously we've seen the resurgence. Like I said before, of the Patriots defense, they got the right quarterback for the system, and the Bills probably felt themselves a little too much, thought that they had arrived, and just aren't the same team that they were last year. So they should finish second in the division. Whether they make the playoffs, that is a whole nother subject. But I think that they helped themselves this week on Sunday against the Panthers. The Cardinals, easy game versus the Lions. It's a layup. It's a give me. I know that they're NFC, you know, NFC teams, but it doesn't matter. The Lions are trying to get that number one pick. Maybe they go for a defensive end, defensive tackle, linebacker, something like that. This upcoming draft is a defensive, defensively talent-rich draft. I mean, the top 10 picks might be all defensive players. You got some studs coming out right now in this draft. The Cardinals over the Lions. The Dolphins, I got going over the Jets. Dolphins really, really need this game. They're six and seven right now. They gotta stay in the hunt for the AF for an AFC playoff spot. They're not gonna get the division, obviously, over the Bills or even over the Patriots, but they can sneak in 
and they need this win versus the Jets. Rival Jets, but they need this win. And Jets, obviously, they need to get better. They got to get a, they, they need one of those top three, top five picks. They need another franchise changer to continue to help the momentum of this team to go forward. I got the Dolphins. Cowboys versus the Giants. I, I just want to say something before I make the pick. I would love the Giants to win this game. And there's only one reason why I would love the Giants to win this game. <laughs> one reason why. That reason is so I can see the look on the face of my best friend when his team once again gets in worse position for a draft pick. <laughs> I love every time the Giants win because I get to see this man's face and the, the disappointment in his face that the Giants, who know they need to get better, win a game and get further away from the number one pick. They won't get the number one pick because the Lions are that bad. But right now, as I am, as you hear this podcast, as it drops on Thursday, December 16th, the New York Giants have the fifth and the sixth pick in the draft. They got the fifth pick via the Chicago Bears. They have the sixth pick of their own doing. And if the Giants lose, obviously they solidify that a little more. But if they win and the Bears win, they continue to climb further and further away from getting one of those home run kind of de defenders because the Giants defense is not that bad. But if they get some home run defenders, I mean, if they get two players right there, because th this this draft, you got to understand as you listen to me right now, this draft is not an offensively rich draft like last year. This draft right here is, I mean, the guys that are coming out of Georgia, Alabama and other places like that. The defenders in this draft are something special. You got to understand that. Something special. And if the Giants, with this nice defense, they just have a terrible offense, with this nice defense, can get two guys, they probably won't do it. But if they can get two home run hitters on the defensive side of the ball to help these guys out, this defense next year could be top 10 or something like that. And they could, they could try to model what the Patriots are doing, have the defense carry them. Obviously, they need another quarterback. And there are no quarterbacks in this draft that look like they're worthy of a top five, top 10 pick. So they won't be able to have a game manager. They'll have Daniel Jones again. But obviously, they, they need a lot of help. They need a lot of help. But if they get the defense to carry them, They'll have some kind of momentum going. All right. Anyways, I'm picking the Cowboys. I want to see the Giants win so I can see the look on my boy's face of disgust when the Giants win. But I'm picking the Cowboys anyway. Washington and the Eagles. This is my first pick for the underdog during the week. I'm going with Washington to beat the Eagles. The Eagles are a five-point favorite at home. But I am picking... Washington to win this game. They're both six and seven. They both need this. But I think that the defense of, of Washington is going to show up, shut down Jalen Hurts. And I think that this game is going to propel Washington to get some kind of momentum. And obviously, I think that this game is going to start a downward trend for the Eagles. They've been they've been they've been like in and out kind of shaky. They've been all right, average. They've been average throughout the season. But I think from here on out, I think the Eagles are not going to fly, obviously. And I think Washington is going to go up. They got the seventh seed right now in the playoffs. And I think that they'll hold on to that for the moment as they beat the Eagles, who are five-point favorites. So I am taking the underdogs in this game. Texans versus the Jag. Who the heck cares? I'm taking the Texans, who are three-point underdogs. Again, who cares? The Bengals versus the Broncos, big game for the Bengals and big game for the Broncos. Both teams have their, have their eyes on the playoffs, obviously, as the stretch run is as we're coming down the stretch run. But I am going to take the underdog Bengals. The Bengals are one and a half point underdogs. Obviously, the odds makers think that it's going to be a close game. 
I think it should be a close game as well. Broncos are at home. The Bengals, man, they they, they just they win some games that you think that they're going to lose. And they lose some games that you think that they're going to win. I know that, that Bengals fans, they wish that they could just be that team every single week that played the Ravens. But they just don't show up. And, and they're not that every single week. And it's mind-boggling. And sometimes it's not. They didn't take an offensive tackle in the draft. They took an explosive, great, great wide receiver who will probably win Offensive Rookie of the Year. But sometimes the pressure comes and Joe Burrow has to get rid of that ball. Some incomplete throws, some things you might not, some throws you might not want to see him make and stuff like that. You know, he gets erratic sometimes with the interceptions and things like that. But again, all that starts up front. It's not the guy is talented. He's smart. I, I, I love his comment. I just got put onto the other day. Uh, one of his biggest fans is not his biggest fan that I know told me. He said, hey, you know, there, there's this video of Joe Burrow going around that, you know, that there's a call. There was a no call that the uh, that the refs that the refs had against the Bengals. And Joe Burrow said, no, nah, that's all right. When I'm the GOAT, I'll get that call. <laughs> I love that. I really Really love that. That is awesome right there. I'm not even going to front. That is the attitude that you want from your quarterback. So I really respect this brother right here. And I'm going to take his team to get the win this uh, this week against the Broncos. Broncos, you know, they started off 3-0. Three bum teams, losing teams. And that's who they are. They beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. And then they lose to the teams that they're supposed to lose to. So they're an average team. And I think that the Bengals are one of those teams that they are supposed to lose to, no matter what the odds makers say, I got the Bengals, as much as I hate to say that. 49ers versus the Falcons, I'm taking the Niners, they're the favorites. Niners, I, I had them third in the division before the year started, I picked them early to win some games, they let me down, they weren't winning, but they found their stride, and they've been winning as of late. They are definitely in the hunt for the playoffs, I think that they solidify their hunt for the playoffs this week against the Falcons. Rams versus the Seahawks. Rams are the favorite. Huge win for the Rams on Monday night versus the Cardinals. They needed that to have at least a 10% chance. The FPI football power, power index gives them about a 10% chance to still win the division. I think they could still do it. Obviously, they got to win out. Obviously, the Cardinals got to lose, got to lose a couple of games. I think it's possible. 10% chance is something. I picked them to win the Super Bowl. I, I, I Obviously, I'm not backing off that pick. But it would definitely help out to have a game at home in the playoffs. Maybe they don't get it done. Maybe they do. They have a 10% chance, like I said. But I'm going with the Rams this week to beat the Seahawks. Seahawks, they need a lot of help. And Russell Wilson knew it in the offseason. I know he got hurt for a couple of games, but they obviously didn't get him enough help. They have... Tyler Lockett, they have uh, DK Metcalf, but they don't have much else. They got Bobby Wagner on defense, Jamal Adams on defense, but they don't have much else. They can identify a star to go out and get him, put him on the roster, but they can't identify those guys that go around them, those glue guys, those second, third great defenders, those second, third, great offensive players. They got to recognize guys like that and put a team around Russ because Russ got to cook. But the team ain't cooking this year. They're 5-8 and eight right now, and I think they lose another game. I spoke about it earlier, and I said that the Ravens had a big game, and they definitely do. Ravens have a huge game versus the Packers on Sunday. I'm going to be, I'm looking forward to this game because, first of all, Let's see how Lamar looks. That's number one. Number two, the Ravens had, a, had control of this division about a week ago. It was looking good. Then they lost their game. Lamar goes down. He's not 100%. Now it looks like it could tumble. Obviously, the Browns won, made it a little tighter. The Bengals lost. Steelers, well, you know, Steelers lost, so that, that didn't make it tighter for the Steelers. But, with, but with the Ravens losing and the Browns winning, made the division a little tighter. 
I'm going with the Packers. They're the favorite in this game for a good reason. I'm going to go with the Packers winning this game. The Ravens have been decimated by injuries, running back, cornerback, and now Lamar Jackson. I mean, how much do you have to overcome and how much can you overcome? It's just the injuries are piling up in Baltimore. I don't know what's going on in Baltimore. I don't know if it's the the ground. I have no idea. The air. I, I don't know. I have no. I just don't get it. This is the most injury-riddled team in the NFL. And for them to be 8-4 and four right now, I got to give credit to Harbaugh. I got to give credit to Lamar Jackson. And I got to give credit to the next man up mentality that this team has had. So props to them. But as they continue to get injured, I just don't see them winning. And I think that they'll end up 8-5. and five, And we'll probably have some kind of tie. <clears throat> We'll probably have some kind of tie in the AFC North because I picked also the Bengals to win and I did pick the Browns to win. So it's good. It, it looks like after this week, if these picks, if they come through, the AFC North is going to get even crazier. Before the year, everybody thought, including myself, the NFC West, best division in football. And it's been like that for the last couple of years. Very, very tight races. But the AFC North right now is the most exciting, fun, and best division in football. I'm glad to say that. I'm happy to say that. The division where my Steelers are. Best division. Most entertaining division. Bang for your buck division. Smash mouth football. That's the division that my team is in. Obviously, one of, my most, one of the most faithful listeners of the show. His division as well. Bengals fan, my man, we could say our division, most exciting division. That's what's up. I love, I love to watch this division. It is just, ah, uh, every week, entertainment. Even when the dang Steelers tie with the Lions, entertainment. All right, let me keep going. Bucks over the Saints. I know that the Saints have won the last three meetings. Over the Bucks, but I just don't see this one going down. I know that the Saints, for some reason, they just understand Brady. They understand his team, but they just been losing some games that are that are not Saints like. Alvin Kamara's been out. I know he came back, so I think this game is going to be close. I don't think it's going to be as much as the the odds makers say it's going to be. So I think this game is going to be close, and I think that that the Bucks just. Once again, do it late, as Tom Brady did it last week, showing why he's the GOAT. He said, hold this. I'll be right back. I got to go win the game. Tom Brady did it again. I think he'll do it against the Saints. Late and close. Bucks over the Saints. Bucks could get that number one division, could get that number one spot in the NFC. And uh, I believe that, that the Packers and the Bucks will stay tied for that lead, along with uh, the Cardinals. As I picked on a win over the Lions. So we got a three-way tie right now, 10 and 3. Before week 15 starts, Bucks, I'm sorry, Packers are first, Bucks, and then it's the Cardinals. I think that all three teams win. It'll stay like that once again. Week 16 might be a little different, but we're still here in week number 15. And I gotta go to the big game. Well, the big game for me, the big game for this show. Steelers Titans. Titans are a one and a half point favorite. Very, very close game. The odds makers think in Heinz Field. And I see why. I, I understand why. Steelers are not putting up points like, you know, punches and bunches. And Steelers have a lot of issues going on. J.J. Watt comes in and out of the lineup. But he's in this week. Hopefully he stays healthy the entire game. Because when J.J. Watt is in the game, Steelers' defense looks much, much different. When he's out the game, we look terrible. Now, he got out the game against Minnesota. And the team played better for some reason. But it usually doesn't happen like that. J.J. Watt is back. Hopefully, like I said, he stays in the game. Steelers' defense come back. Looks good. Against the Titans, who don't have Derrick Henry. So if you turn this team into a one-dimensional passing team and you got J.J. Watt rushing off the edge healthy or healthier, Steel defense should look good. 
So I'm taking the Steelers. Even though they're the 1.5, uh, even though they're a one and a half point underdogs, I am taking my Steelers. They need this game. The Titans pretty much have the division wrapped up, but I know that they also want the number one seed in the AFC. So I know that both teams are going to be fighting. They're going to be grinding, but in a grind out game, I'm going to take my Steelers. Monday night to end off the week. The Vikings, the Bears versus the Vikings. I am taking the favorite Vikings in this game. They're a three-point favorite. I'm taking them at home versus the Bears. Obviously, the Bears are going to continue to help out the Giants to get a better pick. They'll probably, they'll, they'll, they should stay at top five when they lose, if they lose. So I know that that puts a smile on Giants fans' faces, and they should get another smile this week. Obviously. If they win this week, there'll be a lot of, there'll be less smiles and then more smiles, which is funny. I know. Like I said before on the show, you got 50% of fans saying go Giants and 50% of fans saying lose Giants. But every Giants fan is saying, I hope the Bears lose. And I think that they do. They continue to help you guys out. That's week 15. Those are the picks. Let's see what happens. NFL has been exciting so far. I love it. It's just, it's getting, it, it, it's, it's not even warmed up. It's already, it's not even warming up. It's already hot. Cause there's no, cause there are no more bye weeks. And now every single week, teams are in the hunt for playoff seating. Teams are in the hunt to clinch a playoff spot. The Cardinals could have did it in week 14. They didn't do it. This is the longest that the NFL has gone without clinching a playoff spot. I mean, imagine that. Everything is tight right now. So everything is just must-watch television. That is all we ask of TV. Make it must-watch. And that's what the NFL has done. All right. I just want to get to, real quick, a comment left by one of the listeners, my cousin, he left a comment and then I want to get back to and then at the other side of his message, I want to get into what he said. Cause my dude, I, I think you're right. It is one of the best Christmas movies ever. Although I have a I have a tie with, with Jingle All the Way, man. That, that's my movie right there. So but it is one of the greatest. But like I said, I got a tie with Jingle All the Way. All right, so that was avid listener and cousin of the show, my man Thabo. Thank you, man, for reaching out, letting me know that, yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. You heard my man say it. He agrees. Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and he thinks it's one of the best of all time. He's got a tie going on with Jingle All The Way. Hey, listen, I love Jingle All The Way. I got it in my top five. I said that on... uh on another podcast, on my on, on my best friend's podcast, I said that, and I, I do got. I think I got it number five, number four. I think it's number four on my list, and then Elf is number five. Again, I know I'm telling people. I've been telling people privately. I say it again on the show. I gotta watch a Christmas story. I still haven't watched it, but I'm going to watch it before this year is up. I heard it's really good. Somebody told me they got it at number one, and then others told me they got it just top ten. So I got to see where I got it, and then I'll get back to you guys. But yeah, Jingle All The Way, cousin, I, I definitely, man, I love it. I, You know what's crazy? I saw it the other day at Walmart when I went, and it was just a standard edition, so I didn't get it because I don't have it, and I haven't seen it in a couple years. But the 4K edition is not out, but I did look on Amazon, and they have it for about 7 bucks, I think. Blu-ray, and I'm cool with watching Blu-ray, 1080p. That's not bad. You know, it's a nice, clean picture. Obviously, it's not 4K. You know, I got the 4K Blu-ray player. You know, with the PS5 and obviously the television, all that. You know, good stuff. So I could enjoy it in the highest definition possible. But they don't have it in 4K. They have it in Blu-ray. And like I said, I am, I am cool with that. So I am gonna order it. You know, for Amazon one of these days and rewatch it. It is one of the best Christmas movies of all time. For me, in my opinion, I think that Sinbad is the one who makes the movie. It's not Arnold. It's not his son. And it's not Rita Wilson. 
and they're all they're all fabulous. They're all great. I think that you know Arnold is second, his kid is third, and then you know Rita Wilson is a distant fourth. But for me, it's Sinbad. He's the one who makes that movie. I, I am. I just. I just love his performance in that movie. It is so great. It is just over the top funny. You know, and when when he puts on that suit with the brain and things like that, and oh man, they're they're on that rooftop and they're fighting for that toy, and all of a sudden now it's like you know Jamie finds out man, my dad is Turbo Man. That that is just one of the coolest things of all time. Um, you know, all, all the fighting they do, the parade and things like that. And uh, Sinbad is just, he, he's the best, man. He's the best in that movie. So, yes, number one, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Number two, Jingle All The Way is one of the best Christmas movies of all time. Number three, Sinbad is the man in that movie. And number four, your boy is out. I will be back soon giving you some more NFL picks, giving you some more word. And definitely talking about some Christmas because I know the season is coming. Maybe I'll reveal some Christmas gifts. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But you can let me know what you got for Christmas. Hit me up. Let me know. I would, I, I would love to hear what some of the best Christmas gifts of all time are. But this has been All Talks of Life. I am your host, Chris Beniquez. I thank you for tuning in once again, and I will talk to you soon.